it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Big Tuesday episode of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who has not been lying his face off when it comes to his son's business dealings. Joe Biden continuing to stand by the claims that he knew nothing about what Hunter was up to. You are so full of sh**. And we've got the evidence to prove it. We will discuss it in this hour as long with an explanation as to why Biden isn't going anywhere on the Democratic ticket. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. <laughs> a lot of people feel that way. There is polling out today, polling out today, that shows Kamala Harris is now the lowest polling vice president in the history of our country. That was embarrassing. I mean, think about that. We were told, no, this is a historic moment. It's a win for all Americans. Not even close. And the Democrats were the ones who dropped the hint on this. Because if you remember, Kamala Harris ran for president as a Democrat. And when she dropped out of the race, she was polling at 1%. You gotta do better than that. You would think. But the point is, if the Democrats had her at 1%, then I sincerely doubt... Her low poll numbers are because Republicans are a bunch of racist and misogynist. Maybe there's another explanation. She sucks at her job. That's the answer. And we'll get into it in this hour. 888-788-9910. It's a big Wednesday on the show, Tuesday on the show. I sound like Biden now. I don't even know what day it is. It's not good. Have you ever had a checkup? <laughs> I've not had a checkup. I need one. But until it comes, uh, the r- rules on this show remain in place. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a <laughs> There it is. Happy Tuesday, uh, to be precise. And really quickly, uh, we begin with some big news. If you're a listener on the legendary KID radio out in Idaho Falls, it is now official. The deal has been made. The hands have been shook. The website has been built. The tickets have been put on sale. I am coming to Idaho Falls, to the Colonial Theater, Saturday night, October the 28th. That's obviously a canned sound clip, but that's very much how I feel emotionally. Uh, Richard Meacham, who, of course, runs KID Radio, is a dear friend of mine. And they were one of the first stations to take a chance on Fox Across America when we were just a little old show getting started. And now I think we're on over 150 stations across the country. It's kind of a really big deal. But way back in the beginning, Richard took a chance on us, invited us out. We went to Bear World with Jenny and Lincoln. I'm pretty sure Jenny was trying to bump me off for some life insurance money. For some reason, she kept putting sardine oil on my sneakers. This could be a problem. But one way or the other, we made it out of Bear World Alive. And uh, nearly two full years after we launched on KID, uh, we are keeping a campaign promise I made to Mr. Meacham way back when. And that we will be coming to the market. 
and doing a full-on Fox Across America blowout weekend listener meet and greet. And, of course, yes, a live stand-up show at the Colonial Theater Saturday night, October the 28th. I'll say a bunch of naughty things that you definitely can't say on TV. I love it when you talk dirty. (laughs) It's kind of the hook. It's like an Amish rum springer. You know when they let the kids off the farm for the weekend so they can go try booze and, you know, check out scantily clad women? Hubba, hubba. That's what stand-up comedy is for me. All of these FCC rules I've got to live by on TV and radio go out the window when you're inside a theater. So if you're in the area or you're not in the area... Get out to the Colonial Theater. It is Saturday night, October the 28th. I'll be there. The KID crew will be there. Tickets are on sale now. IdahoFallsArts.org. That's where we begin. And now let's do the grown-up stuff. Let's do the show. Let's talk about what's going on in the country. Okay, so really quickly. Joe Biden is full of... Okay, straight up, he that's. I agree with that. He just is okay, and I'm going to give you some sound, and we're going to have a quick conversation about this. Okay, this whole IRS whistleblower deal, as more of them continue to go forward, is going to become very hard for the rest of the media to ignore, because there is so much evidence. Like you understand, they held the country hostage for three years over a Mueller probe. With nothing. It was made up. It was paid for. It was opposition research brought to us by a political campaign that was trying to create a counter narrative to one of their own scandals. I'm Hillary Clinton and I approve this message. But with nothing, with nothing other than the word of the Clinton campaign, clearly they'd never do anything underhanded in the middle of an election. But with nothing more than oppo research completely unsubstantiated by the Clinton campaign, the media was willing to go to bat on Russian collusion for three years. Did they ever provide any proof? The answer would be no. Did they ever demand any proof from the people alleging it? The answer would be no. No, they were just there. The process was the punishment. It was good for ratings. And they were trying to help the establishment politicians in Washington get Trump to disqualify himself by firing Robert Mueller out of frustration as the walls were closing in. The death by a thousand cuts scenario of one anonymously sourced bombshell after another. We'll keep hitting Trump with these reports. We'll keep blowing up the rundown on cable news, all new Chirons, breaking news. Trump just had Russian dressing on his salad. This must mean he's in bed with the Kremlin. That's went on. That's what went on. So you understand they were willing to commit to all of that with no evidence. When it comes to Joe Biden, okay, not only do we have 150 suspicious activity reports from the Biden administration, not not only do we now have the 15 uncovered shell companies that his family was wiring money through to conceal its origin, but we have multiple IRS whistleblowers. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay. Biden was asked yesterday, if you saw it on TV, It was completely inaudible because it was so loud at the ceremony he attended. But Jackie Heinrich had asked Biden, did you lie about never speaking with Hunter about his business deals? To which Joe Biden replied, no. Okay, I got to be honest with you, Joe Biden. You're not telling me the truth. Okay. last week, I'm going to give you some of this IRS testimony and then I'll walk you through some of the evidence on Biden. The reason this stuff matters, if you're listening to the show for the first time, maybe you're up on WVOS, the Catskills or in Sullivan County, hanging out. Okay. If you're listening for the first time, you got to understand, okay, I'm trying to 
distilled talk radio from the standpoint of how does this affect all of us? You want to know how it affects all of us? Right now, when it comes to politics, it's a team sport. People are rooting for their party harder than their country. So Republicans just want to beat the Democrats. Democrats just want to beat the Republicans. But no one is actually taking a step back and processing what is good for all of us. Okay, think of the country like a toy. Right now, the two children are fighting so hard for control of the toy, they're ultimately going to break the toy. Okay, that's what's going on right now in Washington. The Democrats want to control it so bad that they're willing to do anything, anything to stop the Republicans from getting into power. When you see Trump indicted for mishandling classified information, okay, understand we have a storied case history in the Democratic Party in the last few years of mishandling classified information. They weren't prosecuted for it, despite the fact that Hillary Clinton, as secretary of state, and Joe Biden as a senator and vice president did not have the declassification authority that Donald Trump did. So the fact that they mishandled it and weren't prosecuted means we're very much living in a two-tiered justice system when it comes to Trump. Okay, Trump has been indicted. Trump could very well be convicted based on the new tapes that surfaced last night. I hope and pray for the sake of our country it doesn't come to that. But understand when you talk about the country, the path forward, the greater good aspect of this whole thing, okay, if the Biden family was selling influence in our government, and understand, so far, all we know is every one of these countries that Hunter Biden has gotten business from has become the overwhelming beneficiary of our benevolence, whether it means endlessly subsidizing a war in Ukraine that we are not auditing financially on any level, whether it means all of the sweetheart deals we have given to China in the name of green energy, they make all of the critical components, they make the solar powers, okay, or even if it means declaring war on our domestic energy production here in this country and outsourcing it to the rest of the world, and by the way, making people like Vladimir Putin a hell of a whole lot more wealthier, Okay, all of those countries, Moscow sent money to Hunter. China sent money to Hunter. Ukraine paid Hunter over a million dollars when his dad was the sitting vice president of the country they were negotiating with. That's not right. Okay, so understand, it very much not only looks like an influence peddling scheme, but an influence peddling scheme, okay, that is affecting how we operate on the world stage. And if the president's compromised, that means you're compromised. That means I'm compromised. It means, you know, families are compromised. That means we're in a bad spot where other world leaders have leverage that is very much influencing our actions to the detriment of our country. Okay, is anything better in our country under Joe Biden's presidency? The answer would be no. None of us can collectively say, no, it's better. The economy's better. No, it's not. It's worse. No, inflation's better. No, it's not. It's at a 40-year high. Ah, the border. No, the border's at an all-time high in illegal crossings, which has resulted in an all-time high in fentanyl poisoning deaths. Biden is such a disaster. There's nothing you can point to that's better. So this idea that these people might potentially have leverage on this family and it's influencing the way they govern on the world stage is setting our country back. That's reality. Okay, but according to Gary Shapley Jr., okay, understand... He testified before the Ways and Means Committee last week. He was one of two whistleblowers that were willing to come forward and put their name on allegations that their investigation into Hunter Biden's finances was being stonewalled. Okay, Shapley's unsealed testimony. The investigation into Hunter Biden, codenamed Sportsman, was first opened up in November of 2018 as an offshoot 
of an investigation the IRS was conducting into a foreign-based amateur online pornography platform. Whoa. Almost a year later, in October 2019, the FBI became aware that a repair shop had a laptop allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden, and the laptop might contain evidence of a crime. Also unsealed in this unsealed congressional testimony was a text message sent from Hunter Biden to Henry Zhao, sent on July 30th, 2017. In the WhatsApp message, Hunter wrote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. And he closed the message with, I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Okay, according to GPS data available at the time, that message was sent by Joe Biden's Delaware Beach House where all of the grandkids were present, which means you know who else was present? Are you ready for it? Joe Biden. Bingo. Okay, there is no world where Hunter Biden is sending that message and using his dad, okay, as a vessel through which he can shake down other foreign entities for big money, foreign entities that want to do business with our government. There's no world where Hunter's doing that without his father's knowledge, okay? And we know this because the money is being sent through bank accounts belonging to everyone in the family and ultimately Joe Biden's grandkids. Understand, they put some distance between Biden and the payments. They give him a code name when he's out there being referenced. Are you the big man, Joe? But in some of these messages, they got a little sloppy. Sitting here with my dad. How about the emails on the laptop? Hey, good to meet you and your dad. How about the pictures of Joe with Hunter Biden's business partners? Yet Joe Biden told us on so many occasions that his son's laptop was Russian disinformation. Okay, he told us that. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader trying to intimidate a foreign leader, if that's what happened? And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the the presidency to try to do something to smear me. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Because what is he doing there? He's projecting. Nah, I got a Trump. He's smearing me. Got to investigate him. Never mind that my son is shaking down foreign governments in my house with me sitting next to him. I never talked to my son or his business partners. I just met them for lunch and took photos and was the subject of emails that said I get 10% of the money. But aside from that, (laughs) come on, man. Yeah, no, Jenny, I went to the strip club, but it was just for the buffet. I never talked to the girls. I didn't even realize there were girls there. There was a ball game on. I was eating some three-week-old chicken wings. No, I had no idea. I I met with them. It doesn't mean I talked to them. It doesn't mean I knew what they were up to. It's crazy. But understand the reason this matters to everybody listening is you can't think of it in terms of, well, I'm a Democrat, and if they ignore this story, it helps me beat the Republicans. 
You got to think of it in terms of this is our president. And if he's compromised, he's going to govern in a way that's affecting all of us, which he very well is doing right now. And the bottom line is if Joe Biden lied about talking to his son, then he definitely lied about whether or not he made money off the deal. And if he made money off the deal, we are all screwed from a guy who just can't tell the truth. White House girls send Biden to bed early Because he's really old and he's senile He makes up so much crap the country's worried He's lying like it's going out of style You can't hide Joe Biden's lies For a while they made soggy try I thought by now they'd realize There ain't no way to hide Joe Biden's lies Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform. And watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. Yesterday, when I got off the air, I taped a segment with Kennedy. Kennedy, I tour with, of course, on the Laps and Liberty Tour. Our next stop, July the 8th in Holland, Michigan. Tudor Dixon's going to be there. But here's some big news for the Kennedy fans. Uh, you know her show is no longer on Fox Business And the reason that happened is she's now going five days a week with the Kennedy Saves the World podcast, which is streaming on video. And you can listen to the audio version and dig this. Your radio buddy is going to be on it every Monday. So yesterday we taped my first segment on that recurring five day a week Kennedy Saves the World podcast. There was a bit of a revolt after her show left Fox Business, but they have quelled the revolution. The mobs, the pitchforks have left our Fox studios and order has been restored in the world five days a week of Kennedalia. So check out the Kennedy Saves the World podcast. You'll see me on yesterday's episode. You'll see me next Monday and the Monday after that and the Monday after that. In the meantime, you will go nowhere because we're back to talk Kamala Harris after this. Introducing Dementia by Calvin Klein. Dementia. A fragrance that treats everybody like royalty. God save the queen, man. Dementia is bottled exclusively at the White House, but how they do it is anybody's guess. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. Dementia. One whiff and all the ladies will want you. 
dead or alive. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Bold. We're changing people's lives. Affordable. Confusing. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Dementia by Calvin Klein. Now selling at the White House and coming soon to Nash County. Uh, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon and that new product flying off the shelves. What a mess. What a time to be alive, man. You really look at the Oval Office and who Biden's lost his marbles. I don't know that he ever had them, but we're going to explain why in a second. There is no talk <laughs> of really taking him off the ticket anytime soon and it has a lot to do with the woman who's on the ticket next to him but right now we go to the phones 888-788-9910 gill is in yelm washington on the other side of the country yo gill hey how you doing jimmy my man i'm doing it's a mess out there but uh i'm, I'm hoping you could clean it up get out the mop gill <laughs> i wish uh, you know i got really good advice from my dad a long time ago he's like you know, politics are fun, and he says, don't get too angry about it because you can't really clean it up other than the vote. So it's better just to sit back and laugh at the absurdity of the entire charade. You know, Dude, dude Gil, you get it. That's the whole point of my show is I say. I know. That's why I listen every day. Oh, thank you. Thank you, man. For real, for real. Like for, the whole point is like having people that are cool voices in the huddle, calm voices in the huddle, just the same, will help the country more in the long run than just out shouting everybody else. So you could be guest hosting the show. Just don't use big words. Well, I can't guarantee I'll be calm, but I'll be fun. <laughs> I, I just wanted to bring up, and you know, this is something else I was talking to my dad about. You know, he's like in his 90s, but mm-hmm. it's funny. Like We've got Hunter Biden out there. He's getting millions and millions of dollars shaking down Chinese billionaires, and nobody seems to think it's a problem or anything. But you remember when when Jimmy Carter was president, Mm -hmm. his brother Billy had Billy Beer, and it was making money, and Mm -hmm. that was a scandal. (laughs) The president's brother had a legitimate microbrewery that was selling beer. Yes, it's crazy. (laughs) And nowadays, it's like, no big deal, millions of dollars. We're not worried about that. You almost almost get the feeling we're lowering our standards a little bit, Gil. Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, you know, there, there, there was a time when, you know, like... You know, we got people like like Eric Stalwell. He gets caught with a Chinese spy. Mm-hmm. Not only did he keep it, not only did he stay in Congress, uh-huh. but he kept his seat on the Intelligence Oversight Committee for so long. Uh-huh. It, it, but like when stuff like that would happen years yes. ago, people were actually embarrassed. Yeah, and they would like resign. Yeah, but people, now yeah. there's like no shame. They don't care. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Nobody cares. That's I, I, I. We're living in the death of shame, and we've <laughs> we've really relaxed our standards in a way that it makes me wonder. Like the Swalwell thing. So he's sleeping with a spy. The fact that nobody wanted to force him out of office tells me there was probably other people sleeping with spies. It's breaking up's hard to do. I mean, breaking up with a regular person's hard. Now imagine breaking up with a spy. They kind of know it's coming. One of one of my one of your segments you had with Kennedy mm-hmm. it made me laugh so hard when she was talking about. She was somewhere in D.C. and she was going up the escalator and mm-hmm. he was coming down. Yes. And she gave him the middle finger. She was going. By. <laughs> That's a true story. At <laughs> the like your middle finger was speaking for all the Americans. whole world. She did that, too. She did that to Gavin Newsom, too, at a cocktail party. 
and it like it all happened in slow mo. Because like my job of all the Fox people, like when I go out in public, they tell me every now. Remember, you're representing the network. You have to behave. You have to be a decent person, and they tell you that all the time uh, because I look like somebody who wouldn't know any better. Uh, so we're sitting at this cocktail party, and I do know better. I I'm, I get it. Like I know the score, dude. I am playing defense. Okay, I I have no idea how I'm in the position I'm in in life. Few have accomplished more with less than I have. So I'm in on the joke, and I'm just trying to make it work. But we're at a D.C. cocktail party, and Gavin Newsom walks in, and he's obviously befriending every reporter in the room because he just wants, like, favorable coverage. He's buttering up the refs. And Kennedy just, like, rhino charges him, like, right through security and everything. (laughs) And he sees it. And it's like, you know what it reminds me of? There's a great scene in the old movie King of Comedy where the Sandra Bernhardt character wants to meet Jerry Lewis, and she's just, like, walking after him like she's going to behead everybody in the path. And that was kind of Kennedy, but with a smile. And uh, she told him he sucked and he was ruining the state. It was like it was one of my favorite things that's ever happened, uh, mostly because the words didn't come out of my mouth this time. It was somebody else we could blame. So it was good. But, uh, <laughs> but Gil, you get it. You got to keep laughing. Tell your dad he's got the true words of wisdom. We'll give him the game ball at the end of the show. <laughs> right on. Good stuff. Thanks, Jimmy. Be well, buddy. There he goes. The great Gil in Yelm, Washington. And a special shout out to his dad. Who gets it, man? Like, if you're sitting here right now, okay, because there's so much conservative talk radio out there that's just, you know, trying to out-debate, out-shout. You know, these liberals, it's a mental disorder. Uh, Maybe you feel that way, but you're not going to get liberals to come to your side of the fence. (laughs) You all got a mental disorder. Oh, I guess I'll join this guy then, honey. Uh, He said, no, get the kids. Come on. We're joining the guy who says we have a mental disorder. The point is you recruit a lot more people to your cause if you can be cool and you can be fun and, yes, make good points. But you've got to distill it in a way, especially in this day and age where people are besieged from every angle, in a way that just appeals to the humanity in them. Because the truth is, like, we very much feel like we're dealing with a two-tier justice system where – The House is getting ready to potentially impeach Merrick Garland for misappropriating justice in the ways that he has, for stifling these investigations into the Bidens in the ways that he has, and then getting on TV with a straight face and being like, nah, we've been completely impartial in my Justice Department. You're a bald-faced liar, a liar. And everybody knows it. Steve is down in Pensacola, Florida. Yo, Steve. Jimmy, so good to be with you again. And thank you so much for the shout out. Um, There was a great article followed up in the Washington Examiner by Quinn Hillier that talked about my case after I was on your show last week about the two, I mean, the two types of systems. And I hope people go to your, I think I tweeted it to you, but you hit the nail on the head. It's not, everybody that prosecuted me was Republican. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just a Democratic thing. It's the whole prosecutional system that mm-hmm. needs to be reformed. FBI agents used to be transferred in and out of a place every five years. Now they can stay in a community in a place um, and never go anywhere, and they gain that influence. And mm-hmm. so it's both sides of the aisle, like we talk about on this show all the time, and that's that's the saddest thing about it is we, we have to reform the system in general on both sides of the aisle but it is extraordinary what weiss will i'm sure say everybody's talking about he was appointed by trump he's a republican so they use him as a scapegoat but you have to understand they do that for a specific reason because they know 
that the system is broken and they can get to anybody, whether it it's Republican or Democrat. You get it. That's and the, the other side. And, and the one other thing I wanted to point out, as you know, I, I, I had the great privilege of serving General Alexander Haig for a number of years. He was a great American, great huh. secretary of state. But what people don't know that he was the White House chief of staff. And I used to talk to him about this all the time. And it was extraordinary that he had the courage uh, to go up and get President Nixon to resign. Yep. And it took a lot for him to do that, obviously, because he's a very loyal person, loyal to the party and all. Somebody in the Democratic Party has got to go to that guy, Biden in the White House, and say, it's over with, buddy. Uh, <laughs> it's time for us to move on to somebody else. And I think we're at that point. And Merrick Garland, I mean, can you imagine if he was on the Supreme Court, Jimmy? Oh, man, I know. What a mess. No, it's, listen, we we, a mess. we dodged a bullet on that one, but the bullet appears to have grazed us <laughs> on this one. It's Absolutely. not pretty. No, but but thank you, well, Steve, thank you for so shining much, a light. Love you You're the best, my man. We'll do it again soon. There he goes, the great Steve in Pensacola, Florida. He's ready for Biden to step down. Come on, man. Okay, the reason Biden's not going to step down is twofold. One... As long as he is the president, it allows dozens of bureaucrats behind the scenes to have a lot more power than they would under a normal president. That's true. That is true. All of the things you and I say that make Biden, you know, unappealing as a candidate. The guy gets lost losing a stage. The guy quits talking in the middle of a sentence. He's speaking gibberish out there. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. Joe Biden, the only guy I know, makes a sign language interpreter shrug because they don't have a sign for whatever that word was. Okay, but they won't get rid of him because as long as he's the president, they have a lot more power than they would under a person in a normal state of cognitive function. The other reason they won't get rid of him? Kamala Harris. There is no world where they want Kamala Harris as the president of the United States. Kamala is a lying sociopath, fact-checked. And understand, according to new polling out today, she is now the lowest-rated vice president in the history of this country. She likes to tell us, you know, we've seen what's been done, unburdened by, well, yep, we've seen it. It's the lowest poll numbers in history. It's the pursuit of doing things better than we have done. And seeing what is possible unburdened by what has been. We see what can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been. We see what can be unburdened by what has been. This is a fight that is born out of seeing and knowing what can be and believing in that. Unburdened by what has been. Knowing and believing and having faith in what can be. Unburdened by what has been. Knowing what can be. Unburdened by what has been. To see what can be. Unburdened by what has been. You sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. We see what is be, can be unburdened by what has been. 49% of respondents to an NBC poll have a negative opinion of Kamala Harris, a net negative rating overall of negative 17, the lowest net negative for a vice president in the history of our country. Now get her out. Get her out. 
out of here. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Back in action on Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. If you just joined us, we were having a conversation about Kamala Harris. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. You know, I love Judge Janine. I just wish she wouldn't hold back so much. But the truth is, everybody feels the same way. Kamala Harris, understand, is polling historically low like she likes to say she's a historic candidate and she is in every sense of the word because no candidate or potential vice presidential re-election nominee has ever polled lower than she has okay and again we talked earlier about the redundancy but there's this other issue getting past the inauthentic laugh okay the issue is the record And I just want to reiterate this because, you know, people like to oversimplify criticism in this day and age. It's like, wow, they don't like her because she's a a black woman. That is a fact check false. We don't care that she's a black. Nobody in this country has anything against black women. And if you don't believe me, you've never seen my search history. Okay, but stick with me for a second, because the point is, okay, Kamala Harris sucks at her job. Tell them like it is. Okay, that's the reality. She was put in charge of the southern border and has since presided over a record number of illegal border crossings. There is no race or gender we would be comfortable with doing the job that she's done. I think he's got a point. Yeah, and the point is she sucks at her job. Okay, there's no world where we have a record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths, but we're cool with it because it's a white person. You know what I'm saying? Or it's a, it's a man. There's not, that's not the issue, okay? And the people who try to reduce our politics to those types of disgusting, you know, battle lines not only are cheapening, you know, to be honest with you, a, a lot of the suffering going on because of the ineptitude at the southern border, but they're infantilizing her with the soft bigotry of low expectations, like she should be immune to criticism because she's a black woman. The point is, if you're going to represent our government in the highest offices in the land, we need you to be OK with your job. That's the bottom line. OK, but the answer here is that it's not OK. OK, when you see someone who's polling lower than Joe Biden, that can't be good. OK, <laughs> Joe Biden is polling lower than any president in history. Come on, man. But that's why the conversation about removing him doesn't actually happen. Like when they say, like, you know, Biden gets lost leaving the stage or, you know, guy goes the wrong way. Listen, it doesn't matter. As long as she's the in the on-deck circle swinging a bat, Joe Biden could be telling people that he's Batman and he's not going anywhere. <laughs> that's the point. Okay, so when everybody gets on the radio or the TV, you know, oh, it's, you know, you can't handle a strong black woman. Come on, man. You are so full of When it comes to Kamala Harris, the problem is not that we can't handle a strong black woman. It's that we don't actually have one. Correct the mundo. Okay, she's a lot of things. Okay, she's, uh, you know. She's an absentee landlord when it comes to the border project, okay? She does a pretty good uh, job as a Woody Woodpecker impersonation with that stupid fake laugh. (laughs) 
But nobody is looking at our southern border and going, no, no, there's there's some strength there. Now, I'm telling you, the country with the record number of illegal border crossers that, that strained its infrastructure entirely, so overwhelmed the border towns that they're now relocating people around the country because they don't have anywhere to put them. No, no, that's that's real strength is what's going on there. OK, nobody is drawing that conclusion. And as I said earlier, this is a woman who was put in charge of the southern border, conducted a study on the root causes of illegal immigration and blamed it on climate change. That was the result of the study. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Climate change. Okay, as if people were walking thousands of miles because they were worried about what the weather was going to do in 30 years. Come on, pack up all the belongings. We'll get out of here. No, they're fleeing real food insecurity, cartel violence. Okay, but do you want to know why they're coming to this country? Number one, obviously, because it's the greatest country in the world. No place represents more upward mobility for people of every race than America, which, by the way, is worth mentioning to the Democrats out there who want you to believe that we're oppressed and minorities can't get ahead here. Democrats are so full of crap. And we know that to be true, because if we were so oppressed, why would six million people be sneaking into our country this year? You want to know why? It's not because of climate change. It's because they're getting in. And Kamala Harris is one of the main reasons why. So don't tell me we're racist or sexist or anything in between. Tell me the truth that when it comes to Kamala Harris, she is so bad at her job. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Back in action for another big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. But check it out because I'm not going to be your radio buddy for long. I, as we speak, have just been summoned to an underground Fox bunker to participate in a top-secret TV project that will be airing on the 4th of July. You know what I tell you? You guys have the highest security clearance in radio. You really do. So don't share these documents because they're kind of policing that sort of thing this week. I don't know if you've been following the news. But joining us now is a woman who knows a thing or two about the legal system. She is, of course, a fan favorite on this show, affectionately known to our listeners around the world as the Human Happy Hour. She is affectionately known by Fox viewers as the host of Outnumbered, the host of the Fox True Crime podcast, also the woman who famously got locked in my garage looking for an extra beer. You know her, you love her, as Emily Campagno, who is armed with all kinds of snacks. I think she has a flask as well. But either way you slice it, I am removed from my command. Emily Campagno, now your sworn leader, reachable to you, the infantry, at 888-788-788. 9910. She has lined up a host of her famous Fox pals and a lot of her buddies from around the hood, probably a couple of loan sharks, a couple of bartenders from across the street, if I know Emily. Either way you slice it, it's going to be a rowdy two hours. Buckle up. Emily Campagno in the house to take it away now. Woo! 
The best intro of all time. Good afternoon to all of you. You know what's so funny about Jimmy continuing to bring up the story where I got locked in his garage? Yes. Yes, I admit it. I was looking for a beer. But I conveniently block it out of my mind until he brings it up, which is pretty much every week. His kind and eternally generous wife, Jenny, however, has forgiven me a long time ago for eating everything that was in the refrigerator that was in the garage, including drinking all the beer that was left. I digress for a moment. I am now going to bring in one of my good friends and a true a true patriot, a true serviceman to his country. He continues to serve both in and out of uniform, a man who likely needs no introduction for you all, Tim Kennedy, co-founder of Save Our Allies, UFC fighter, American soldier, special forces operator, and as I said, my friend. Tim Kennedy, welcome to Fox Across America, the Campagno Takeover Edition. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Listen, you I consider you a Swiss Army knife of everything, frankly, in the world. I think that you have a credible and elite perspective on so much from Ukraine to UFC and MMA, that the allegations against Conor McGregor to contracts in the sports world to social culture and commentary. So I feel like I could ask you anything and your response would be so valuable. Let's just hit a few things today, and I would love to get your top-down thoughts on the Ukraine situation. Specifically, Tim, what do Americans need to know? Why should we care? And how will this affect us at home? Um, All right, I'm going to start in reverse order, how it affects us at home and why we should care. Uh, NATO began after... World War II, and um, that alliance is has always been this protection, this buffer against communism. And um, we, from Russia's perspective, have been continuously encroaching on kind of what was form and for, formerly Soviet, Soviet Union land. Um, Putin would love the the USSR of old, and so he has been kind of you know from Crimea to Belarus, taking land that he views to be his. Um, Ukraine is part of that. Um, frankly, Poland is part of that. Poland, thankfully, is part of NATO. Uh, but in, in, in my lifetime, I never thought that I would see you know, the, the new Russia all the way up against the NATO line. Um, you know, like, how should Americans care or should Americans care? It's, it's really how much, do we want com- how much do we want communism to gain ground in our lifetime? I hate communism. I don't want them to have any ground. Um, but I also, having spent the majority of my adult life over in war, I don't want to be supporting wars overseas. Um, you know, in, in the past week, we have seen a coup or a supposed coup. I um, I don't believe that it, it was ever a real coup. I think it was just a misdirection for the opportunity for twenty five thousand soldiers to be mm-hmm. repositioned along the northern area, uh, the northern border of from the southern port of. Belarus into the access into the nuclear power plant in the north. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a wild time right now. And, and anything coming out of Russia or Ukraine, you know, none of us can believe to be true. Can I ask you, Tim, you know, part of the point of having a commander in chief is trusting someone to be able to handle and manage the events globally that are out of our control. Do you trust the current administration that under their watch at this moment, these events are unfolding in Russia and Ukraine and Belarus? Um, From the military's perspective, I I think we have some of the best leaders that we've ever had, you know, coming after 20 years of war, 20 years of global war on terror. You know, we really have 
arguably the most experienced war fighters on the planet in the senior sit- seats within the military. Um, on the administration side, I, I have never experienced, you know, from Afghanistan um, to Ukraine, you know, our uh, to you know, like with the the failure on the federal level, specifically within Department of Justice, the corruption specifically around Ukraine. I I can't personally, you know, as a libertarian, um, as a Texan, I I can't believe anything that anything that anyone says about what's happening in Ukraine from this administration. When you start reading, you know, from you know the the leaks from Hunter's laptop to the businesses that they were conducting in Ukraine, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're like sending. A hundred billion dollars over there, like ah, this is just not a good look for us. So no, I can't trust any of it. What strikes me about your social media, Tim, and we both share, I think, sort of a healthy aversion to social media, in addition to a healthy respect for its use as a vehicle for amplification and messaging. And you have really served as a beacon for so many Americans that are feeling encroached that are being encroached, that are living on a daily basis um, with the impingement of their civil liberties and a lot of rights. And if I would love for you to share a little bit about trends that you've seen and what you strive to do um, when you showcase how you uh, are the father of your family and a husband and you run a school and there's so much that you do in the community. You are leading by example um, in terms of, as you just mentioned, being a libertarian, in terms of the government's ever commitment to growing and to growing inside your own home. Yeah, man, I just want to be left alone. I I, I want the, the the foundation of being an American, and I, I think we've forgotten. I I just put up a, a post a few minutes ago about this young teenage boy that went headfirst down this pipe to rescue a toddler toddler that fell into this drainage pipe. They couldn't use any um, excavation equipment because it would have crushed and killed this little kid. You know, and and that that was an example of a, of a hard man doing a hard thing to save somebody. You know, but we have had weak, soft men for a long time that are now creating hard times for us to experience. And the only way that we can kind of dig ourselves out of the corner that we've put ourselves in is to start raising real, strong young men and women, you know, critical thinkers, intellectuals, people that are ready to debate, you know, Socratic thinkers, ones that want to – like yourself, that, that will sit there uh, – across from somebody they disagree with and have discourse to try to find some common ground and a solution to a problem and, and may the best idea win. Um, you know, For a really long time, Americans have just been too complacent. You know, we're gelatinous. We're fat. We're overweight. We're obese, um, both mentally and physically. Uh, but then we're, we're hoping that we're going to be able to like be the superpower when our children have been taught to hate this country, and they can barely even qualify to serve the government in any capacity because they're so mentally and physically broken. We really need to bring the individual responsibility back to the family unit. You know, the family is, has always been the cornerstone strength of this country, and it's it's how we fought back after the Great Depression. It's how we went and won World War II. It's how we became, you know, the the industrial superpower of the world. It was the family and young men and women stepping up to the plate to do hard things. We need young men and women in America to step up to the plate to do hard things again, and that's what we're doing at our school. That's what we're doing at Apogee Strong. That's what we're doing you know, at, at every business that I touch and everything that I do is just trying to create the next generation of hard men and women. Something I thought about while you were speaking just then is you know, the notion that 
Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And so without defining and ensuring habits, like you just mentioned, the critical thinking, Socratic method, being tested in those ways, ensuring that your foundation is actually firm, right? Not built on sand. Then when you are truly tested, you won't be able to perform. To your point, everyone's falling apart because there weren't any type of foundational qualities built and ensured and rehearsed and practiced so that any challenge was surmountable. What do you find, Tim? I'm sure there's a massive constellation, but what would you say is the biggest challenge facing American families right now that are striving to do exactly what you just described? What is their biggest challenge? We're we're lazy. Um, they're, they're, and not all of us. You know, I, I I'm as much as I bag on social media, I'm so. Uh, encouraged to see young men and women that are, you know, homeschooling, that are, that are homesteading, that are, you know, going to, uh, that are breaking the mold about what it means to be educated and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go to this university to try, to try and be indoctrinated by, you know, this, this lifelong uh, cultist that is a 100% woke subscriber. Rather, I'm going to go and do something new. You know, I'm going to learn how to weld. I'm going to learn how to be a plumber. I'm going to learn how to be an, electric, an electrician. And I'm going I'm to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to carve my own way. The, to answer your question is we just keep hitting the easy button. You know, if, if I can pick up my phone and have food delivered to my door in five minutes and I can go to Amazon and have something that I want brought to my door in the middle of the night, not even the next day, not three to four shipping days, but like that night, what are you doing every single day to be a little bit better, to challenge yourself in some way? We have to do hard things, and we have been, we've been dodging them. We've been avoiding them. You know, the, our aversion to hard struggles has gone on for you know one to two generations it has to stop we have to go back to embracing the suck suffering in silence and looking for opportunities to do things that we don't want to do that contribute to our community that contribute to our church that contribute to our school that that in some way contribute to those around us and that is the first act of selflessness Tim Kennedy, thank you so much. You Every time you open your mouth, you're so wise. You, you lead by example. I'm so grateful for you. And you really remind me, you know, with your servant's heart, but your leadership qualities, you remind me of David in the Bible. And I'm so grateful for your voice. I'm so grateful for your following. And I say that not in a way of social media, you know, kitschy phrase, but, but truly because the influence that you've had is for the better. And the whole point is you're not telling people what to think. You are sharing how to critically think for yourself so that we can all live freer and with greater liberty um, against the attempts by the government at all times. Quick final question before, before we go, what are you most proud of, Tim? My family. Um, you know, I have two grown daughters that are just doing exactly what they should be doing, which is paving their own way. They're both brilliant. They're both hard workers. You know, they're, they're both working uh, just so proud of them that I, I have two little kids and um, they're savages. You know, like this, <laughs> this three-year-old and my eight-year-old, you know, they're, they're the, by far, you know, from sniper, UFC fighter, um, all of those lame titles. Father is the most important thing that I've ever done in my life. And I, I did it so poorly um, with my, my two old girls because I was at war for most of their childhood. And now having learned from all those mistakes, trying to do it right. Um, you know, the, the humiliation and, and shame of, of not being there for significant events for my, for my big girls lives. And now trying to correct that, you know, getting a second chance father is by far the most important thing that I've ever done in my life. 
My friend, thank you. We see you as a great father indeed. Thank you for joining us today. Tim, we'll look forward to seeing you soon on Instagram, Tim Kennedy MMA. And everyone, we will be back just following this break. The critics have spoken. It's a mess. It's a mess. This is Fox Across America. You guys know me pretty well by now. So you know that I am obsessed with where our tax dollars go. I'm always ranting and raving about it because you should know where your tax dollars go. Our next guest, Adam Andrzejewski, one of my good buds, founder and CEO of OpenTheBooks.com, former Republican gubernatorial candidate of Illinois. He is the man who tells you all the time where exactly your tax dollars are going. And let me give you a spoiler alert. It's never pretty. Adam, welcome to the show, Fox Across America. It's great to be here, Emily. Thank you for having me on. So I'm reading the highlights of the Earmarks publication that Open the Books is coming out with this week, and I am absolutely flabbergasted. You think shrimps on treadmills, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Adam, why don't you walk us through the highlights? Um, I think we all need a drink for in our hands to hear this, by the way. So just audience, if you guys want to go grab yourself a cold one, you're going to need it for what Adam's about to share. Well, earmarks are the currency of corruption in Congress, Emily. And our report's going to come out on Thursday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. Everything's embargoed. But let's just give your listening audience a taste of what's to come. Because this, you know, it's a bipartisan problem. Earmarks are the currency of corruption in Congress. And in the last omnibus spending bill that was signed by President Biden on December 29th, just six months ago, it included $16 billion of these oinkers. There was 7,500 of these. And we've given highlight in the national media to one that I've just found pretty incredible, uh, Kwasi Nfume. He's the congressional rep from Baltimore, Maryland. He earmarked $2 million to the National Great Wax, the Great Blacks and Wax Museum, where six months earlier they commissioned a wax statue of him. And then, look, you know, we complain about that, but we just identified uh, a a retiring Republican U.S. senator from Missouri, Roy Blunt. He earmarked $91 million into two universities, the University of Missouri and Missouri State University, into two different buildings that bear his own name right before he retired. So oftentimes these things are bipartisan. You know what kills me too, Adam, is that whenever there's an error by the government, which of course happens all the time, it always errs in favor of them. As you know, I was a federal attorney and I managed in part the waste, fraud and abuse that I saw on a daily basis, the hemorrhaging by the government of excess funds because of waste, fraud and abuse. The innocent mistakes that your entrenched swampy creature employee is is doing, that's amounting to millions and billions. And one of the highlights here, in 2022, every individual tax return filed was burdened with on average 1673 in incorrect payments amounting to $846 per person and a staggering 3,384 for every family of four Adam. So the whole point is every taxpayer needs to care. The mistakes by the government, which happen all the time, they're always negatively affecting us. And it's a great point. And that's what the federal agencies admit to. So, Emily, you can say it and I can say it and people could doubt it. But when government itself admits it, it's got to be the truth. So the Biden administration admitted to a quarter trillion dollars worth of oopses, 
mistakes, improper payments just last year. They're the first administration on track to admit to a trillion dollars during their four years. So they've already admitted to $520 billion over the course of their first two years, payments that were paid to the wrong person or in the wrong amount or under the wrong set of rules. And Emily, most of those payments were even outside of the problems with COVID aid. So the story gets a lot worse. And, you know, I count among those mistakes, Adam, the intentional payments, like $2.4 million on Russian alcohol and addiction research. Everyone follow Adam Angievsky, openthebooks.com, on Twitter, every dime online. Stay tuned for this Thursday for the publication of the earmarks. You will be swamped with bacon. That's next. This is Fox Across America, and this is Emily Campagno filling in for Jimmy Fela, America's host. He's, I don't know, probably running from the cops right now or at an all-you-can-eat buffet, you know, the usual. But the door was unlocked, so I let myself in, and here I am. I would love to chat with you guys, so call in 888-788-9910. Keep it clean. This is a family show, but otherwise I would love to answer your questions and we can talk shop. We've covered so many things already today. We had Tim Kennedy on. We had Adam Angievsky from Open the Books, and we have a lot more to come. You know, right now, America is dealing with a lot, right? We know this. And one of the things I love so much about Jimmy and is his ability to bring us all together. Regardless how you vote, we all vote red, white, and blue at the end of the day. We are all brought together by our love of hot dogs, baseball, beer, and, you know, everything else that makes us fat and sluggish. But really, what unites us are the things that sometimes I think we lose sight of. And right now, there's a lot going on in the news. Um, where we're wondering if Americans are being treated differently. There's a lot of questions around Hunter Biden and learning that there are whistleblowers coming out that say we had multiple times over grounds for prosecution, grounds to bring charging, and yet it wasn't brought. And yet someone on high prevented me from bringing charges. We have an attorney general that has made comments that directly contradict what federal high American or assistant district attorneys have made. And at the end of the day, are we ever going to learn the truth? Will we if we bring them before Congress? Does testifying under oath make a difference? Is a threat of criminal perjury enough for Americans to have accountability from our tax dollars from these salaries? You know, everyone who's up there, we either elected or they were appointed by someone that we elected. We pay their salaries and they are servants for the American people, not not in a way of something, you know, untoward. It's in the way of service. I was conscious, you know, when I was a federal attorney, I didn't pick up a pen without remembering that it was someone else who paid for it. Not that I'm Pollyanna, but just that I was conscious about who paid my bills, about who I answered to. And it was always the American people. Sure, Congress had a lot to do with it, of course, but I was always conscious of that. I'm curious your guys' take. I'm curious whether you expect that there'll be any accountability. I'm curious whether you expect you'll see Hunter Biden driving behind the seat of a Corvette. I also wanted to play something for you guys. Something a little fun, a little explosive. Take a listen to this. (laughs) The most terrifying weapon on the battlefield. 
the second I started actually shooting it, then it was just like power. The function. It's fulfilled a niche role that really no other weapon at the time could do. The fear. You were up front, and you had to be. And the fire. This was by far the coolest thing I have ever done. <laughs> the flamethrower. What's so funny about weapons of war? One thing that was funny is that for every weapon that I had the honor of shooting, I always said, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. And then I continue. I, I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. But you know what? That's how I felt. I hope everyone listening gets a chance to watch Weapons of War on Fox Nation. It also aired on Fox Business on Saturday night in a marathon of all five episodes. Each episode dedicated to a different weapon that shaped American history. And each episode, there's sort of a, an Annie that is upped. So not only did I get to drive a Sherman tank, but I also got to fire it. I felt that insane concussive blast. And let me tell you, I screamed bloody murder. That's the other thing you should graphic warning here in terms of audio, audio warfare, because there was certainly a lot of screaming going on sheer terror as I was driving the Sherman tank. You know, when you're up eight feet high, um, slight hills appear as full blown cliffs. So I definitely had some uh no ego here moments where I am screaming bloody murder as I have both hands outside of the wheel well, even though I was responsible for driving that six-ton tank. It was an incredible experience and just one of the weapons of war experiences that I had. I learned all about the flintlock musket and shot it. Crack shot, by the way. The firearm, the the weapon that... in assured our American liberty and freedom. And I also got to dabble with a flamethrower, howitzer, and a minigun, including from a helicopter a lot of feet up from a Vegas desert. So you will not want to miss weapons of war. We turn now to a friend of mine and a really amazing human, Michael Francis, who you may know as a former capo regime of an organized crime family. He's done his time. He's done a lot. He is a motivational speaker and someone that I greatly respect for exiting safely and with full honor from an organized crime family. And he now uses his time and his influence to impact others, incarcerated, youth, and the like for good. And he has a lot to say about the organized crime family that I was just mentioning a moment ago, the Bidens. Michael Francis, welcome to the show. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm great. I'm so grateful to have you here today. You have shared a lot of thoughts about the Biden family, and I would love for you to be able to share them right now with all of those listening. Well, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much to go on here, Emily, that's really disturbing. And, you know, again, I come from my perspective, you know, having been in that life, you know, for over 25 years, my dad, the underboss of that family. So I know it intimately well. And after going through two federal racketeering cases and, you know, several of the state cases, I can certainly identify things when I see it. And, you know, the 11 uh, sham companies that um, were created by the Biden family, I had 18 of them at one time, and they were for only one purpose. And that was to defraud the government out of taxing every gallon of gasoline. We had no brick-and-mortar places. The the, uh, companies did no business whatsoever. They just had a bank account to accept money. And I can identify it. I can tell you what the Bidens are doing definitively is a racketeering indictment in in its making. 
But, you know, going beyond that, I, I got to be honest with you, it really, really troubled me. All of the stuff with Hunter Biden, it's so obvious, the evidence that's coming out that he's been influenced peddling for his dad. And, you know, rather than Joe Biden kind of thumb his nose in our face and just say, I'm very proud of my son, I have seven kids. A lot of parents out there can understand this. I've had trouble with my two boys, you know, a lot of trouble. And obviously I stand by them, they're my sons, but at least be decent by me. Get up to the American people and say, look, I'm a father. My son has been a, a troubled son. He's done a lot of things, and uh, I have to stand behind him. As parents, you understand it. But to get up there and thumb his nose in our face like, like we're a bunch of fools that we don't really know what's going on, it's just really disturbing. And his whole attitude in that regard, I mean, you know, look, I... I I hate to throw dispersions at people. I mean, I was a mob guy 25 years ago. I did my share of things. But I guess because of that, I can recognize things. And there's no question, this guy is possibly treasonous. And we have him in the White House. I don't understand why mainstream media is supporting him. We're Americans. That's what we have to care about. You know, if Donald Trump were doing the same thing, I'd be calling him out in the same way. This is a dangerous person. And the fact that, you know, he's got his whole cabinet supporting him and lying for him, you know, and, and, I, and I can say this, and I know I'm trying to talk fast in the short sequences that we do, but, you know, I've warned people about this for years. Whenever you give the government law enforcement an inch, number one, they'll take the yard and they'll never give it back. And when you have the bad guys breaking the law to go after bad guys, pretty soon they'll do it and go after good guys. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're weaponizing their people to go after their political enemies. That is so dangerous, so dangerous. And we're seeing the result of that now. And I just hope people are aware. Look, on my social media platforms, I've been speaking out a lot. And the comments from people have been very satisfying. They've been saying, Michael, we get it. We see it. It's too obvious. You know, I personally think that, uh, you know, Biden has gone to a point where they're, they're going to throw him under the bus. I mean, there's too much stuff coming out with him. And I think the mainstream media is now starting to say, hey, we can't hide this stuff anymore. So, I mean, I have a lot more to say, Emily, but that's my, my quick two cents worth. I mean, in a way, Michael, that's that's just as disheartening is the notion that only when the establishment or the mainstream media decides it is done with Joe Biden and ready to discard him, will we then see an accountability? Because that's the whole point, that Americans are treated differently and they are viewed differently, both in the criminal justice system and by this administration, under this administration. That is what is so patently unacceptable, so appalling. You and I have spent countless hours, countless hours, within the criminal justice system. And it kills me that I have seen my tax dollars used to hunt and prosecute otherwise totally law-abiding citizens for minor tax evasion infringements who have been subsequently incarcerated, again at my expense. And then this person, who the press, to your point, has identified as merely struggling or troubled or what you know what, he's a recidivist. That individual gets away with two misdemeanors in the tax realm, a misdemeanor in the gun, and then nothing for the influence peddling and the questions of conflict of interest that you raised earlier. Where is the justice in that? There is none. I don't understand why there's not more questions raised and more appalling indignance by the left that purports to be such proponents of equal treatment of the law. What say you, Michael? 
Well, I totally agree. Uh, you know, the sham is it, it takes five years to come up with two misdemeanor violations. I mean, and now we're finding out through the whistleblowers that, you know, they were blocking uh, the actual investigation. And some of our legitimate law enforcement people are very upset with that, and rightfully so. Because, look, I mean, I had experiences with FBI agents on the street. Some of them would cross the line. Look, my dad, I believe he was framed for a crime he didn't commit. But, you know, look, he was a mob guy, and I understand they come after us sometimes a little bit differently. But there are good agents out there, and some of them I'm speaking to now, and they're really upset with what's going on uh, with the Department of Justice interference and the way the FBI is just blocking investigations. And, and you know, you're right. Accountability. Will Joe Biden ever face that? I doubt it. It's not going to happen. I mean, he's, he's 80 years old. And truthfully, at this point, I don't even care. I, I just need this man. And, and who's ever pulling the strings on him, something has to radically change. Radically change, because this is getting more dangerous by the day. And, you know, I will say something. I, I, I did a YouTube that had come out today. I'm appalled that coming out of the White House and Joe Biden, there's a statement that, that the fact that um, some states are banning gender-affirming surgery on kids, and I read up on what this surgery actually is, and it's, it's butchering. And, and our president gets out there and says it's outrageous and immoral to ban gender-affirming surgery. I don't think people really know what this is and what, what's involved in these young people. And I'm talking about the minors for minors, and, and, and also leading to that, the fact that they want to keep it away from their parents, which is, I, I can't even understand this. I think we're living in some kind of alternative universe when I hear these things. And I have seven kids and six grandchildren. I'll be honest with you, I would go to jail if, if somebody tried to do this to one of my kids without me knowing especially. I, I don't know what's going on. And the White House says it's immoral and outrageous. This is Biden's words, a quote to ban gender-affirming surgery for minors. I mean, what is going on here, Emily? You know, you, you have a, your, your pulse on things better than I do in, in, in the position that you're in. What is going on? And for people to be supporting this and hiding this? I mean, this isn't, listen, I was a criminal for 20 years, and this, we wouldn't do these things on the street. The things that are going on now, coming out of the White House, the Department of Justice, the FBI, we wouldn't do these kind of things. We wouldn't attack kids. We wouldn't do this. We, we would tell FBI agents, hey, you're on one side, we're on the other. We get it. You do your job. If you catch us, we got it. We, we take our pleas. We go to jail. We do whatever. Just don't blame us. That's all we ever say. But what's going on now is at a level that I never thought I would ever see in my life. Well, and, you know, you being in California, I'm from California, the, what terrifies me is not just the narrative, the puppetry of the president, who's clearly just a vessel for the woke left, but it's it's these policies being codified. So they're especially in California now. It's being baked into statutes that are being passed that will then be so difficult to change legislatively in the future in terms of how that is weighed in, for example, custody arrangements or paternal um, independence and the like. So to your point, you know, it is dismissed by the left. It's dismissed by the mainstream media as, quote, right-wing hysteria. But the reality is that to maintain parental controls over your child's safety that is not, quote, antagonistic. That is not, quote, abuse, which those quotes are from the woke left in their scripturing of these bills. It's frightening, to your point. I absolutely agree. I have my my hands not 
more so on the pulse than any other American. It's just incumbent on every American to know exactly where your kids are, what they're doing, who their influencers are, and make sure that it's you that is the greatest influence on your children and make sure that you demand accountability from your elected officials because at this point, who knows which inmates are running the asylum, but the one in the Oval Office, unfortunately... um, I think is absolutely abjectly failing. Michael Francis, always a pleasure to talk to you. You have such a unique insight, my friend. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the work that you do with youth and with the incarcerated. I'm grateful for your faith and for your proclamation of such. And um, I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Like another episode on my true crime podcast, the Fox True Crime Podcast, which I had the honor of having Michael on before. So Michael Francis, thank you. Well, Emily, thank you. I'm ready whenever you are, and just keep up the good work. We need voices like yours out there, and believe me, us on the street, we appreciate it very much, so keep it up. Thank you. You too. All right, guys, more some after the commercial break. The show that's standing up to big tech. Get those nerds! 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 You're listening to Fox Across America. One of my favorite jams. It's just like the control room can read my mind. We have a caller, friend of the show, Alex from Brooklyn, New York, that we're going to bring in. He has some thoughts on Hunter and Joe Biden that probably reflects a lot of yours who are listening. Alex, welcome back, my friend. Hey, Emily. Thanks so much for taking the call. It's great to talk to you for the first time. You're, you're doing a great job. Uh, I think it seems like the media is actually asking some tough questions of the Biden administration for the first time about Biden's crimes. And I think that's because the, Washington, the Democratic establishment is telling them that they're planning to drop Joe Biden and not have him as the nominee of the general election because they can't run with Joe Biden as saying that he did a good job with policies because he literally destroyed the country. They can't say that, hey, he's good, he's physically here and cognitively here, he's a good fit of a person and strong enough to fix the problems because he's a cognitive and physical mess. But up until now, they were able to say that Joe Biden's honest and all the accusations Republicans are saying about Joe Biden is just, you know, bogus stuff. But now with the evidence coming out so strong about the crimes committed by the crime Biden family, there's not a single thing that Joe Biden can run up in positivity. I mean, what is he going to run around saying? Hey, I love chocolate chip ice cream. I don't think the majority of Americans like that flavor necessarily. But, uh, you know, it's not a it's not a joke being the president of the United States. He doesn't have a single positive thing to run on. And I think they're going to drop him. I don't think it's going to be Kamala Harris. They're going to put him there because she's literally a part of the administration. She's, she's actually hiding in the basement because she doesn't want to associate herself with this administration and she wants to be the president. But I, I've told this to you know a couple of people, a couple of my friends, and they're all laughing at me. I really think that if they drop Joe Biden, it's going to be John Fetterman because he's also controllable. And they're going to say, hey, vote for John Fetterman. He didn't destroy the country like Joe Biden. And they'll put him out there, hide him in the basement. What do you think about that? Is that a possibility? They did it with Joe. I think it would be a contest who fails to complete a sentence quicker. And on that, I think they both fail. But Alex, thanks to you for completing your sentences. Thanks for watching Fox Across America. Back right after break. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And today it's with Emily Campagno. I have the honor and the pleasure of filling in for Jimmy Fela while he's, oh, I don't know, robbing some bank, eating at a buffet, robbing a liquor store, 
probably on a plane somewhere exciting, but right now I'm in the most exciting seat possible in New York City because I am sitting next to J.O. Jerusalem, a New York City-based artist who I have the honor of owning one of his paintings, and words really can't describe the talent that this young man has. Um, But the reason that he's on today is because he has a servant's heart and because not only is he an incredibly talented artist, but he's committed to bringing that level of art to inner city youth, to the public schools that are failing on so many levels right now. And he remembers what that type of art program did for him as a youth, the impact that it made. And he is dedicated to bringing those kinds of life-changing moments to kids here in the city and all across the country. So, J.O., welcome to the show. I'm Thank so grateful. Thank you, Emily. I mean, your words uh, mean a lot to me. I, I really appreciate it. That was a beautiful way to introduce me. Um, yeah, I've been trying really hard uh, recently to bring this message, more of like an awareness message of how right now in New York, I mean, there's a lot of schools with no art programs at all or they're lacking in art programs, whether it's due to, you know, funding or just not enough teachers to kind of supply that need of, you know, when I was a kid in um, in school, we always had an art program. And I was in multiple different schools when I was really young. And I remember art being something that was like always a part of the education system. And now, even at my son's school, he tells me there's no art programs. You know, maybe they'll, like, draw in class or something, but there's no art teacher to come and give them that experience. And so I've been hearing a lot of that, and I wanted to, you know, try to make a difference and change that. So what I've been doing is just contacting schools directly and going there with, you know, art supplies and utilizing my time to just teach these kids about art and tell them my story. I mean, you know, I've... I've I had a rough upbringing when I was young, and art kind of saved my life. You know, it, it took me out of that that dark hole when I had nothing to do to, to, to pass the time. I studied art. I had an art teacher who helped me. And I think, you know, if I could change one kid's life, you know, who's going down the wrong path and show them what art can do, you know. I mean, now I'm making more money than I ever thought I'd make. I'm living out all my dreams. You know, I'm performing live in front of thousands of people. And I started off as one of those kids in New York. So I, I think that I could definitely help at least one kid. And um, that's pretty much what my mission has been recently. So, And it's hard to underscore everyone listening, the visual um, magic of J.O.'s art. It's just stunning. And so the videos of him in these schools working with the kids, it's like bright neon paint and mm-hmm. they're dancing to music. He's an incredibly talented hip hop artist. So seeing all of these elements meld together and you can see the joy in these kids face. You can see the energy. And what I see too is cohesion. And that's something that I wanted to ask you about because so often when we have insight into schools, there's so much, you know, just dissent and there's so much fractured energy there. You know, kids are being left behind. Kids are being mm-hmm. distracted. Kids are doing a lot of things, and everywhere under your watch, Jo, they are just focused in on the yeah. art that they create and the inspiration and your your leadership in these sessions. No, for sure. I mean, they love it. Like the the reactions that I get is like these kids need someone, I guess, like as a role model to look up to. And to be honest, I never thought I'd be that type of role model. But um, you know, it's it's you know not every role model has to be perfect you know like it doesn't have to be like the knight in shining armor it could just be some some kid who grew up in New York City that changed his life and and that's me you know it's I'm not perfect by any means you know but um I think that even with without perfection you can make something of yourself and show you know I think what made me a successful artist was just being real being myself 
And, um, you know, I always say my motto is they don't buy the art, they buy the artist. You know, they're buying art because they believe in the artist. And they either like or love what he or she is doing. And so, you know, these are parts of, you know, the things that make me the artist that I am. And, um, you know, it all starts with, like I said, one kid or one school. And, you know, I've been trying to find other schools, um, you know, through my, my team and uh, through other people in the city, the mayor, um, just trying to kind of connect to more schools. It's it's not as easy as you would think, you know, to kind of set all this up. So um, I guess my message would be to anyone out there watching, like if you are at a school or you work at a school that could use the help, you know, um, just contact me, you know. At your Instagram then yeah. or Twitter? Which they could is- contact me on my Instagram, uh, which is jo.jerusalem. Um, pretty much that's the easiest way. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I do check my my. my DMs and I'm always, you know, Mm -hmm. on the lookout. And can you share what the teachers' reactions have been? Because the stories of that too show how how desperately they've needed this source of inspiration and this help Mm -hmm. as well that you provide. Um, I mean, they're uh, they're they love it. I mean, they've thanked me so many times, and you know, uh, they they reach out personally and. When you know they're they're actually helping me as well. Like when I come to the schools, they're wheeling out the cart. Like they're helping me unload. They're you know they really care. You know, so it's it's good to see that. And um, yeah, no, I I, I salute all the teachers out there. I mean, because I personally I'm not an art teacher. You know, <laughs> I never wanted to be an art teacher, but I just wanted to you know show people that it's possible to become something of your like with yourself. You know, like live out your dreams if you just focus and have a passion and and actually care about, you know, and who knows that one kid could be painting and then say, hey, I'm going to go home and paint again, Mm -hmm. you know, because what J.O. did, like, I really want to be I want to do what J.O. does or I want to, you know, and that's all it takes to start someone, you know, on a whole new path. And this is for everyone listening, partly why I believe so deeply in J.O.'s work and him as an artist, to your point. Mm -hmm. It's such an honor to have you here today and why I wanted to amplify his message and his cause because you represent exactly what I love, which is someone just being themselves, giving back to the community, being, you said you didn't sign up necessarily to be a role model. You're surprised you are one, Mm -hmm. but you're just being you. And by virtue of being you, you are not only making a difference in children's lives where the government is failing, but you are also serving others with a servant's heart. You are spreading your abundance. You know that our prayer is always to, to live in abundance so we can lend and not borrow. And that's exactly what yeah. you're doing with your passions mm-hmm. and you're giving it back. So a lot of people I feel ask, you know, how can I help or how can I give back? And they're sort of looking for an organization to attach to. But the whole point is you can always do it with your own two hands. You can right. always harness your own passion and find a need for that just with your own two hands. Your videos, man, it's you walking into a school carrying 20 canvases, <laughs> paints in your backpack, and then you just light up the room. Thank you, Emily. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much. Like, people think you need millions of dollars or whatever. I mean, I mean, the long-term goal in my eyes to change everything would be to get some type of funding for this, uh, to create some type of programs where teachers are available to teach or there is some type of maybe even getting other, like, Instagram celebrities or people to come, but I mean, really, it doesn't take much. I mean, each time I go to school, I spend about a, maybe seven hundred to a thousand dollars. I mean, that's it's something, but you know, uh, it's it's the least I could do to try to help you know somebody. So, like I said, it doesn't take much. It really just takes your presence and your passion. 
And what happened when you met with Mayor Eric Adams here of New York City? Because he was super into it as mm-hmm. well and, and was really positive about the work that you've done in the public schools here. Yeah, we had a we had a brief meeting. Uh, we met like via like a video chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met one time in person and then after a video chat. And he, you know, said that he wanted to help me. Uh, so far, he's kind of connected me to a couple people within the Department of Education. Um, other than that, we haven't uh, really gotten anything else done. Um, but like I said, like I don't need anybody's help. Like in terms of like their, you know, like a I I don't know what anyone can really do for me other than like help me connect to more schools. You know, I, at this point, I'm doing this for my own you know thing. I'm not really looking for money or for you know. I I just want to help the kids. So if anyone out there who's in that position that the mayor's in or anyone who's in the p- politics system, I'm not into politics, so I don't know how everything works, so I don't want to sound ignorant when I say it, but, uh, you know, anyone who out there that wants to make a difference, they can talk to me and we can help people out. I mean, that's pretty much how I see it. And that's what's so refreshing is because you don't have to be in politics or be a politically mm-hmm. minded individual to make a difference, to want to help and to see the results of your investment come to fruition right away. I mean, that's one afternoon. Yeah. That's one hour. That's two hours. Mm-hmm. That's a few canvases and some paint with these kids. Exactly. You remember that impactful moment for you and you're providing those moments for those kids in the community where you grew up in. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. I think so much of our focus is 30,000 feet view down, but really it starts locally. It does. I mean, we live here, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're from New York. You know, we know who needs the help and we know where to put our money and where it should be going. So, I mean, whoever's job it is to do that, <laughs> just do it, <laughs> you know. And to when you cut up, up there in front of the kids and you're not only painting with them, but you're also performing like music with yep. them. What does that feel like for you? Because it's sort of a different audience than you're used to when you're playing yeah. sold out crowds and huge uh-huh. arenas. There's, it's like, you know, a, a class of 30 kids. Yeah. What is that like for it's, you? It's, I get nervous sometimes because kids <laughs> will tell you the truth, man. Like, yeah. I swear to God, like, people <laughs> people think, like, grown people are scary, but those kids will really see right through you and, and tell you, you know, what it is. But uh, they've, they've been great, man. And, um, you know, it's it's funny to, like, see, like, each, like, I've been to Brooklyn. I've been uh, to a couple other schools and one in the city. And it's just funny to see how like the youth nowadays is like compared to like how when I was a kid, I mean, they're listening to the current music, you know, they're dancing, they're breaking, they're break dancing and stuff. It's like, it's cool. I mean, it's definitely an experience and um, I'm grateful to be able to be in this position to even like have that role. But um, they, they love it, you know, and I'm glad, you know, when they run up to me with their painting and they're like, Hey, look what I did. And then at the end, we'll like turn off all the lights and put the black light on and then they'll see it glowing in the dark. And they're like, their minds are blown, you know, like you can't get that reaction from anyone else but a kid. It's like they really, you know, feel it. So it's it's awesome. I love that so much. I'm so grateful for you. J.O. Jerusalem, follow him on Instagram and Twitter as well. Jerusalem, J.O. Yeah. on Twitter and then on Instagram, it's J.O. Jerusalem. Yes. You'll see these stunning videos. Get a hold of him if you can recommend any schools that his personal project can impact. You are a lighthouse, my friend. I'm grateful for you. You are an incredible artist. Thank you, Emily. And most importantly, you're making a difference here in New York City. Thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you. it. The show that sees through the bull. My response is right, you know, and the stripper really likes you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. But today you have Emily Campagno and... As a bonus, two for the price of one, you have one of my best friends, Jessica Tarloff, in the house, in studio, and on the show right now. And we were just talking about men's bodies during the commercial break, specifically one in particular whose body you probably never expected to see, but you might have been subjected to on Twitter, and that is Democratic Party presidential candidate RFK Jr., who did nine push-ups in an impressive display of strength on Twitter the other day. It's since racked up almost 15 million views, I want to say. And it sort of flies in the face of many of his own party who consider him maybe fringe or or don't want to take him seriously. But it is causing a lot of attention. And who better to talk about it than Jessica Tarloff in with us today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Did they tell you that Jimmy has like a little button that he hits and then Trump's voice comes on and says, get her out. He plays that for me, too, if that makes you feel any better. It does a little bit, actually. (laughs) So, okay, you were talking about maybe steroid. Do you feel his body is not natural? I mean, I hope that it is, I guess, because, like, (laughs) when we're 70, I'm going to be, like, super into Brian still, I guess, if that's how things are going. But, no, I mean, come on. Like, we all have or had, you know, my dad died. But, like, we all have dads. And – some fit dads. It's he's he's built great. Judge Pirro took it very personally <laughs> as someone around that age. What do you mean? I'm like, you know what I mean about this. Um, but it was definitely the thing that I expected less to pop up. Like I'm used to, you know, RFK Jr. in conversation with Jordan Peterson, you know, with Joe Rogan, and then it's like, oh, he's doing push-ups and lifting 115 pounds or whatever it is on Muscle Beach or wherever he was doing it. Um, it just doesn't, to be serious about it for a second, and obviously he's in incredibly good shape, it just doesn't appeal to Democrats. It's mm-hmm. like it felt so Putin. You know when you see Putin ter- like shirtless riding yeah. around on a horse or in a – you know, with a bunch of people carrying him around or something? I, it just felt so out of step with where the party is and what we're thinking about. Like, yeah, there are a lot of people out there that think that Biden's mental fitness might not be there, but they're certainly not thinking like, oh, this is the answer because this guy can do a lot of push or nine push ups. I don't know. You're fitter than I am. Nine push ups is a lot for me, but it's I'm- a lot for anyone. What do you make of his argument that he was sort of representing bringing health back to the country and that during COVID people gained an average of 29 pounds, but he also sort of expanded it further and talked about financial health and credit health and the health of the American people writ large? the health of of the kitchen table of Americans that really he was saying essentially, look, this is a tiny symbolism for me when I assume the presidency, he says, this is the return to health. What do you make of that message? And do you think that that would resonate, though, with Democrats right now? So I'll be honest with you. I didn't hear any of that because Mm -hmm. I only saw the video. And that's compelling to talk about, that we are a country that doesn't treat ourselves well in terms of how we eat exercise, our mental health is a huge problem right now. The amount of time that we spend just zoned out in front of screens with TVs, phones, iPads, whatever it is. I'd love to talk about that. But I feel like all people got out of that interaction was the push-ups. 
And, and that he was doing it in jeans. Too. Like the whole thing seems so contrived, so sweaty, right? <laughs> if you're really exercising. I did the jeans to me. You're right. That was literally the first thing that I thought of. Um, I, I see it sometimes at my gym or like outside and about if someone's yeah. exercising in jeans. And I just tell myself before I judge, I just say something like maybe their suitcase was lost or like, you know, maybe they are late and good for them for, you know. As long as you're moving, movement is medicine. Sure. And therefore, good on you. But yeah, the jeans, like sweaty jeans, that's what goes. Um, you are raising a beautiful daughter. And as we talk about the health of the country, what do you think about social media and screen time and sort of the way that, that big tech, the argument and conversation around big tech and what it exposes young people do and young people to? How has that been woven into you as a parent? You definitely think about it a lot more, and it makes you think about yourself too, right? Because you're monitoring everything that they're doing, and it implicitly gets you to take a look at what your own life looks like, right? Because if the TV is on all the time for you, she can see it, right? She's not paying that much attention, but it's still the sensory input is happening. And I find that doctors and the you know American Pediatric Association and all of the quote experts – you can you can find whatever answer you're looking for, right? If someone says, you know, I don't want any screen time at all, there are people out there that are saying that that's the answer. There are people who say 18 months, and there are people who are like, you just do what you need to do, right? You're you're the one who should be able to make decisions for for your child. So we only watch one thing, or she only watches one thing. This woman, Miss Rachel, who was <laughs> a pre-K or kindergarten teacher. And I, she decided, I guess, one day, like, oh, I should be a millionaire instead. And she is flipping fantastic. So if there's anyone listening um, with young kids or grandkids, check out Miss Rachel on YouTube. Her husband was a Broadway performer. He's also in the videos. And it's all learning stuff. And Cleo, my daughter's 18 months, and she does a little sign language because of it. Like, she does, like, more. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. Like, how could it be bad? But she's still staring at a screen. Interesting. Yeah. I love the concept of sign language. And it's oh. my understanding, you know, communication is the, the hardest thing with kids at that young age. Sign language is fantastic. Right. All right. Watch Miss Rachel. And for now, <laughs> listen and watch Miss Jessica Tarloff on The Five coming up at 5 p.m. Eastern. More Fox. If you don't have Fox Nation right now, you are listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You just saw me air guitaring, maybe throwing a chair or two around. Nothing gets me going like that. Rock! Yeah, man. Instead of Jimmy Fallon, you have Emily Campagno rocking out. And today, I am about to be joined with one of my best friends, Tommy Laren, a phenom, an absolute voice for so many millions of Americans who feel voiceless in this time. She is an incredible human, an incredible friend, and I look up to her uh, for many reasons. Tommy Laren, welcome to Fox Across America. It's so great to be with you, and I got to say, because I've spent quite a bit of time in Jimmy's studio, <laughs> are there more knickknacks there now than the last time I was there a few weeks ago? Yes. Literally, you can't even see the table. There's so many toys, and then since I'm here, that means there's like 18 food containers around because I'm always eating. So there's there's like a buffet in the front, and then it becomes a toy section all the way to the back. 
There's no better way to have it. Nothing more inspirational for radio than being in Jimmy's uh, studio. It's one of a kind. <laughs> That's right. It reminds me of this garage that one of my neighbors had growing up that had like knickknacks and little things. I'm sure each one worth a fortune, you know, stuff in the package and whatever. Everything neatly placed and presented, each with a story behind it. Tommy, today, let's talk about stories. Let's talk about inspiration. Um, You host a show on OutKick, which is incredible, and a lot of it that really touches on the heartbeat of what Americans are feeling and going through. Share with us what's on tap for this week for you and what you are feeling inspired by or horrified by this week in the news. (laughs) Well, on last night's show, I've had this person on a couple of times, but she calls herself the truthful therapist, and she is fighting the lone battle pretty much in California as a therapist that refuses to follow the gender-affirming model that actually wants to give true therapy, true help to young people that are struggling with their identity. And I had her on my show last night, and I got to tell you, right now there's so many things going on in politics, so much with the Biden family, with Donald Trump, with the race for 2024. But I do believe the culture war and the breakdown of the American family, the warfare that's being committed against our young people in this country, country. That is something that all Americans need to pay attention to, because I feel like well beyond the 2024 election, this is going to be something that we're going to be fighting. And it's something that we have to confront boldly and unapologetically. Can you tell me, you know, you so many people look to you as their mouthpiece. And as I said in the intro, sort of as your voice, what are some of the common themes or the predominant theme that people are feeling right now? helplessness. I think it's a helpless feeling right now because we see so much mounting with this administration, not only what they're doing to our country, but what they've done allegedly for the past several years, potentially selling out our national security and sovereignty to make a buck. And it seems like we have all this evidence piling up, piling up. We almost have to hurdle over it every day. And still, it feels like nothing happens if you're part of the protected class. And we felt this way with the Clinton family. We're feeling it again with the Biden family. And there's so many Americans that are looking at this thinking, boy, if this is this two-tiered system of justice now with these powerful people like Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden, what about little old me? Where do I fit into this? And if they come after me, where are my resources? Where is my recourse? So it's a feeling of helplessness which is a sad place to be, especially in the greatest nation on the face of the earth, that we have the American people feeling so hopeless and helpless right now. No, you're right. I think about, I mentioned this earlier when I was a federal attorney, but I I felt the weight of the government, really the, the weight of the machine that it is. It is a behemoth. And I came in there thinking I could affect change in a positive way. And you realize quite quickly how futile it is. In that moment, because, of course, there's always room for hope. But at the same time, you know, there I'm like, gosh, it's just like emptying the ocean with a bucket. And to your point about the two-tiered system of justice, you know, I've seen firsthand, I, I've seen our, our tax dollars, you know, $100,000 bill for a prosecution to recoup $30,000 in lost taxes. You know, the ratio of our tax dollars that are spent recouping what the government sees as their, as its lost income is staggering. There's no justice in that. There's no proportion in that. So add those two things together and you have the machine of the Clintons, the machine of the Bidens, the establishment Democrats that to me represent such a deep-seated, immovable behemoth. And then you have the fact that the rest of us have to deal with something different. The rest of us have to pay for others to get off, like Hunter, 
with misdemeanors, with, with not a scar. And so many real Americans know what it's like to sit at a table in a prison across from a loved one on a holiday or have them deal with the, the weight of the government prosecuting and hunting them only to see it skip over a family of providence and of, of you know, sort of this, this crowning. It's so disheartening, Tommy. It is. And I think, too, the American people are just fatigued. I mean, whether it's the investigations, which are worthwhile, of course, into the Biden family, what Ways and Means is doing, what House Oversight is doing. It's so important. We can't not do these things. But I think the American people are just so tired of turning on the news and hearing about this person being investigated, that person being investigated, Donald Trump being indicted once, being indicted twice, potentially a third indictment in Georgia on the way. And people feel like, hey, where, where do I fit in here? Uh, you know, my country's going down the tubes. And while I support Donald Trump and while I support going after the Bidens, if they did commit, what, which really amounts to treason, I think the American people are still sitting there thinking, um, but how does this affect me? And I would like to be able to afford, you know, strawberries at the grocery store and maybe put food on my table and send my kids to college and not have them come home as communists. So there is a feeling also of helplessness because in the last several months, we in the media really haven't been talking enough about the plight of the average American because we are so consumed with these scandals. So that's the other side of this that I think is so frustrating. And I don't know where we get back to a place where we can talk about policy and fixing this nation for the people that are really who we should be thinking about. And that's every single one of us, the average American out there. That's such a great point. And, you know, I think about how it, it used to be that you could have an enclave in your local community, that there was sort of an insulation between you and what the national government was doing to a degree. Obviously, we have very real impacts on our kitchen table and pocketbooks and the like of national policy. But especially during you know GOP-led years, it was in the way of prosperity and freedom. And then you sort of have the the impact of local politics more than anything else. And it seems to me now, Tommy, that that national just absolutely absurd viewpoints on certain things has immediately, there's no trickle down. It's like a Niagara Falls effect on the local community. And so now people are having to fight, actually fight in their school board meetings and town halls and the like against these policies, against these purported policies that have that impact on their children and on everything. So, you know, to to your point about becoming active, um, I see that it's sort of poisoning a lot of up until now peaceful communities in the way of really impacting schools and the like. No, it has. And we cannot underestimate the importance of these state and local races. I mean, everything goes back to that local level, the city councils, the school boards, as you mentioned. And I think so many Americans were so frustrated during COVID and they really weren't ready to fight against masks and against vaccines and remote learning and against what was being done in the curriculum. But now that everybody's given these people COVID amnesty, I fear that some of the steam is running out of these parents that were so fired up and they have to get that fire back in their belly and people have to stand up. You know, we all complain about what's going on, but few people actually want to confront the beast. But 
where you can really make the most difference besides casting a ballot is going to these school board meetings and paying attention to who's on your city council and paying attention to who's really pulling the strings in your community. Everybody can get involved at that level, and that's how we fix this when it seems like all this is so insurmountable because we can't really do much on the federal level to go after the Bidens or to try to help Donald Trump. But we can do something in our communities, and that should give people a little bit of hope and feel like they can actually dig their heels in and make a difference. I would encourage people to get that fire back in their belly. You're so right. Earlier in the program, we had Adam Angievsky from Open the Books, and that's his consistent message as well, which is you can't affect change at that national level other than your, your vote without being active at that local level. Your school board members, your local politicians, your local congressmen, everyone that is representing you matters and you should know their names, what they're doing and get in there, get involved. Tommy, on your Tommy Laren is Fearless show on Outkick, you had Pastor Alan Jackson, who's the pastor of World Outreach Church uh, just outside of Nashville. And I had the pleasure of going to that church and, and listening to one of his sermons when I was in town. He's an incredible pastor. And he made the point there in the sermon, Tommy, saying, you know, he's like, I, I've, I cross the country all the time. And he says, and everyone I talk to, all these Christians, all these Republicans, they're, they're waiting for someone to lead them. They're waiting for someone to tell them what to do. It's in incumbent upon every single person to be that voice, to be that change, to be that action, just action. And it doesn't have to be scary. We're not talking about running for office yourself, but it's just being educated as to what's going on around you because your voice does matter. It does matter. Contrary to what the Democrat Party will have you believe, contrary to what this administration will have you believe, that it matters. It matters. And I think just going to that point, and Pastor Jackson is absolutely fantastic, but he's right about that. There's a lot of us that, you know, they yell at the TV and we get mad about what's happening. Uh, I know even in sports right now, because my husband is in that world, there are so many people that are so frustrated by everything that's going on. And to be that person that steps out and says something. Everybody wants someone else to be that person, to be that martyr, and then maybe they'll lend their voice and support, but nobody wants to be the one that goes out and walks that line first. Not everybody has it in them, but I think that there are far more Americans that do have it in them that are really limiting their own potential by being afraid, and now is not the time to be afraid. And you, my dear, are never afraid Tommy Laren, host of Tommy Laren is Fearless on Outkick. Such an honor to have you on. I'm so grateful every time I get to share a set or a radio with you, Tommy. I'm grateful. I will look forward to the next time you're sitting next to me on the Outnumbered Couch. And Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon will be back after this. You're listening to the best dad on the radio. Can't believe you forgot my birthday. You're with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Taking the ride of my life on a tank that changed the world. This is really a tool that the entire nation came together to build and operate. The battles, the bravery. You ready to take it up one more level? Boom! And one big bang. Talk about the father of all explosions, the Sherman tank. Three, two, one, fire in the hole! 
That was a pretty frightening scene from my experience driving a Sherman tank. That is just the tip of the iceberg. It is an incredible five-episode series, Weapons of War, where each episode takes you behind a weapon that shaped America. You can catch it on Fox Nation. And for now, you can catch Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela, but you get two for the price of one. You have Emily Campagno right now for this final segment Joined by, it is so fitting, you guys, who I'm joined by right now, Carmichael Dave, host of the Carmichael Dave Show on 1140 KHTK Sacramento, and he's also advisor to the FC Sacramento team. But Dave, he's the one, I really credit you, with getting my, whatever whatever presence I have on radio, it obviously pales in comparison to the great Jimmy Fela and the great Carmichael Dave. But it was because of Dave that I got my little start. And we used to spend at least once a week talking sports, sports business, and sports legal analysis covering the Bay Area at home. And so Dave, I love that you're joining me today on my big filling in moment here for Jimmy Fela. Thank you for joining me, my friend. I have a smile ear to ear. First off, you are way too kind. That's like that's like saying because I threw a butterfly in the air it flew. You were you were always going to be a star and I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And as we continue this love fest, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here right now about to go eat dinner. I'm in Leeds, England, uh, where we just completed the purchase of a, a uh, an English uh, soccer team, of all things. And these adventures we go on separately yet together, I, I will tell you this, your gain was our listeners' loss. Because although we, we have followed your career and admired you uh, from afar, Boy, do we miss you on the airwaves, and we're also really proud of you. Oh, my friend, thank you for that. You're living a Ted Lasso real-life existence, first of all. So I, I wanted to chat with you a little bit about that because I, I feel like now I'm just watching you you know, eating popcorn from the crouch and your meteoric rise. And also I want to talk to you about what's going on at home because what's happening to the Oakland A's is just insane, and I, I really want to touch on that today. So let's start, though, with the Ted Lasso, Carmichael Dave experience. What is that like? Tell us about it. Well, I'm just uh, along for the ride. Uh, Kevin Nagel owns the Sacramento Republic, which is a USL soccer team, a second-tier soccer team back home in Sacramento. Uh, He sold his interest in the Kings a few months ago, the Sacramento Kings of the NBA, and needed to do something with the money. He fell in love with soccer, and the opportunity came for him to buy a a second tier right below the Premier League team called Huddersfield Town. It's over 100 years old, a ton of history, very working-class city in uh, northern England near Manchester and Liverpool. And we, he completed, uh, we, like it was my money, he completed the <laughs> transaction about a week ago. And so we got over here a couple days ago, a big press conference today with the English media. And uh, now just finishing out the week before I come home, Em, and do my, uh, I'll be doing my show Friday in studio in Sacramento on no sleep. But you know what? That's why we live, because we could have real jobs, but instead we get to have fun and serve the audience. And it, it's an absolute blast. Yo, that is worth it. You are living the dream. So first of all, it is we. You're, you're, you know, exemplifying the team nature right there. His money is your money. That's exactly what a teammate is. Uh, Tell me how the British media has received this. Do they have any issues with the American buying the team? Are they stoked about it? You know, that's a pretty long history for us to come into. Do you feel like you're being warmly received? And how will the team do this season? 
couldn't have been more warm. Uh, I, the, the, the team struggled last year and right at the very end uh, were prevented from seeing. See, over here, what happens is if you finish uh, in, in the bottom three, you have to go down a league. And if you finish in the top three, you get promoted to the league above. So there's real ramifications out here for being a poor team. They narrowly avoided that, which was great for them. And then since we've been out here, I just assumed that it was going to be like facing uh, the Philadelphia sports media. <laughs> they have been so kind. Uh, obviously, they're nervous about the Americans coming over and doing crazy things. But our, our, our thing from the get-go was, look, yeah, we're from the U.S. We know how to do some pretty cool stuff. But it's all about the history and the pageantry and everything here it's a very very proud city again and so we're just going to do what we can best to represent obviously the usa in, in the best way we can but also uh try to make a winner just like uh, any sports owner so it's been a blast it is a little bit of ted lasso for sure and i gotta be honest i've avoided the classic english breakfast so far of like mushrooms and tomatoes and beans i'm scared but i think tomorrow morning i'm going to take a shot so wish me luck well, I'll, I'll be there for your follow-up with a breakfast burrito. With our final 30 <laughs> seconds, Carmichael Dave, another city that is proud. That's the city of Oakland. Your thoughts on the reverse boycott and the Oakland A's stadium debacle. In 30 seconds, now 20 seconds, it is an example of an owner doing everything wrong, not serving the fan base, worrying only about his pockets, and you have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people heartbroken it's unfortunate and the coverage you guys are doing thank you for that because the story needs to get out i'm so i'm charles Payne. listen to my unstoppable prosperity podcast so i can get you making money right now whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free fall mode opportunities abound so why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines in a new season of my podcast i'm going to get you in the game after 38 years on wall street i'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth generating machine in history listen anytime everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.